Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, the Shanley Hotel is widely regarded as one of the most haunted hotels in America. Hundreds of paranormal investigators have documented a heap of evidence at this location. So what has caused this building to be so haunted? We booked the Shanley Hotel for an overnight investigation to see for ourselves. Join us as we explore the haunted Shanley Hotel. This is episode number 80 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Napanock, New York. Nineteen eighteen, Esther descended the stairs to the first floor and proceeded to the mahogany phone booth for her daily routine of sitting and waiting for her friends back home to call. Her fever was worse these past few days, and she'd occasionally wander in and out of sleep throughout the night, never really succumbing to a full night's rest. The sun was barely peeking over the mountain-studded horizon, and everyone else in the building was still asleep. As she was sitting by the phone, she experienced something odd. She heard a rubber ball bouncing down the stairs. The sharp, rhythmic slap of the rubber on wood, followed by the high-pitched ring as it bounced its way down, was a clear indicator of exactly what it was. The ball bounced off a wall at the bottom of the steps and around the corner, rolling slowly to a stop at Esther's feet. She waited for a child to come running after it, but only silence followed. It was as if the building, too, was sleeping along with all of its residents. She shook her head, not even bothering to come up with a reason for the ball's appearance, when all of a sudden, the little rocking chair across the room creaked as it began to slowly and deliberately rock back and forth. Esther rose to her feet. Rosie, is that you? She asked in a shaky voice. The chair stopped short, and there was a moment of silence before she heard little disembodied footsteps rapidly padding out of the room and back up the stairs. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Shanley Hotel, Napanock, New York. Sitting in the foothills of the Schwangunk Mountains is a little town called Napanock, New York. Some describe it as a bit of a ghost town left to decay and abandoned by its residents. But it's not. With a population of around 1,000 residents, it's actually a beautiful little town with restaurants, farms, a gorgeous landscape, and even an active prison where the infamous Amityville murderer Ronnie DeFeo was held for some time. It's also home to what many describe to be one of the most haunted hotels in America, the Shanley Hotel. 
In 1845, a man named Thomas Rich built the Rich's Hotel on 56 Main Street in Napanock. The town was a bit of a vacation destination for city folk who wanted to get away from the everyday hustle and bustle of city life. Due to the close proximity to the railroad, the hotel was a success. It earned a reputation as one of the most luxurious hotels around, with great food and new furnishings. Rich sold the hotel in 1851, and the newly named Hungerford Hotel continued to hold up its standards and cater to some of the same clientele as Mr. Rich, which included a distinguished membership which granted access to their gentlemen's club and bordello. On March 18, 1895, a fire spread through Napanock, and the hotel burned to the ground. The new owner, Adolf Wagner, quickly rebuilt the hotel, and it was back in business by November of the same year. James Shanley and his family migrated from Ireland to New York City. The Shanleys were quickly living the American dream, opening successful restaurants across the country. James eventually moved upstate and fell in love with the beautiful town of Napanock. He enjoyed the town so much that he decided to buy the hotel in October of 1906. The asking price? $10,000. He added his own touch to the building, adding a billiard room, barber shop, and bowling alley. The Shanley Hotel was a hit. James married his longtime sweetheart Beatrice at the hotel on April 26, 1910, and the newlyweds spent their honeymoon in the nation's capital. Many celebrities and politicians visited the Shanley, including Thomas Edison and Eleanor Roosevelt, who was good friends with Beatrice. The Shanleys even attended President FDR's inaugural ball. On January 6, 1912, Beatrice gave birth to their first daughter, Kathleen, but tragically, she would only live for six months. They would try again and have two more children, James Jr. and William. James Jr. died after four months, and William only lived just shy of six months. It's said that her broken heart can still be felt within the walls of the Shanley Hotel to this day. Beatrice's ghost is one of many that is said to haunt the Shanley Hotel, with guests witnessing a woman in period dress wandering around the hallways. People smell her perfume and believe that her spirit may be walking the halls looking for her lost children or her sister Esther, who also passed away inside the hotel. Beatrice and her sister were very close. Esther and her husband John lived in the adjoining apartment to Beatrice and James, and the two spent a lot of time together. Esther died suddenly from influenza in 1918, leaving her sister to care for her two children. The Shanley family were certainly not the only ones to experience tragedy at the hotel. Peter Greger, who worked as the barber and lived at the Shanley, had a young daughter named Rosie. One day, she wandered across the street to the Hornbeak Farm, where she liked to look into the well and toss small stones. Rosie lost her balance and fell into the well, hitting her head on the rocks as she fell. Two hours later, her body was found. In 1918, with Prohibition in full swing, James would turn the Gregor's former apartment into a speakeasy and gentlemen's club. Shanley was involved with a known bootlegger by the name of John Powers, and the two kept their illegal liquor hidden beneath the bar through a trap door. On February 26, 1932, the Shanley Hotel was raided on suspicion of bootlegging. Both Shanley and Powers were arrested and the liquor was confiscated, but neither did any time. Perhaps the powerful politicians Shanley had cozied up to over the years helped him out of that situation. James died in 1937 after suffering a massive heart attack. The community sent flowers and letters to Beatrice, and everyone was heartbroken over the loss. Eleanor Roosevelt sent a letter to Beatrice expressing her sorrow and apologized for not making the funeral. 
Beatrice sold the hotel to Alan Hazen, who ran it until his death in 1971. The hotel would change ownership a few times until it closed its doors in 1991. It sat abandoned for 10 years until Sal Nicosia bought the building with plans to restore it to its former glory. What Sal didn't know at the time was how many spirits resided within the building. It would only be a matter of days before Sal realized he wasn't alone in the hotel. The spirits were so active that he decided to change his whole concept of what he was going to do with the building. He began communicating with the spirits and even used their guidance to pick out wallpaper and floor tiles for each room. Sal passed away in 2016, and Kelly, the current owner, purchased the building at auction the following year. She, too, quickly realized how haunted the building was, and claims that at least 36 ghosts inhabit the hotel, with some who come and go so the number could be higher at any time. Today, the Shanley Hotel is widely regarded as one of the most haunted hotels in the country. In fact, the dwelling is so infested with ghosts that children are banned from spending the night. For over 25 years, paranormal evidence has been meticulously cataloged by investigators and guests. An entire generation of the Shanley family lost their lives here, and those are just a few of the dozens of spirits that are said to inhabit this building. All three Shanley children died in the hotel, every one of them before their first birthday. Rosie, who lived at the Shanley, died in the well just feet away from the hotel, and Esther died in her room. There are also unconfirmed reports of a suicide in the Eleanor Roosevelt bedroom, where a guest allegedly hanged himself. To this day, guests claim to see the spirits of children running through the halls, as well as hearing their laughter echoing from empty rooms. Furniture can be heard dragging across the second-story floor, as well as footsteps thumping above your head. The spirit of a woman believed to be Beatrice can be heard crying as she wanders the hotel looking for her lost children. It's believed that former patrons and hotel employees still visit the bordello from beyond the grave. The ghost of Anna has been seen and heard in her room that she used to work and live out of, and a woman named Claire reportedly took her own life in the late 1800s. Her screams can be heard echoing from the third floor. The specter of a cat named Sweet Thing has been seen all throughout the hotel and even caught on camera. With the Shanley Hotel being only about a four-hour drive from us, Dave, Rob, and myself booked the hotel for an overnight investigation to see if it lived up to the hype as one of the most haunted places in the country. The first thing you notice when entering Napanok is the gorgeous landscape. With the mountain ranges and farms, green grass, and a small town feel, it's no wonder why James Shanley quickly fell in love with the area. Pulling up to the Shanley Hotel, it was just as I pictured it. A little rundown and spooky on the outside, and stepping inside felt like you were time-traveling back to the early 1900s. We were greeted by Stephanie, who was our guide for the evening. She was also a psychic medium, and she gave us the grand tour. She broke down the history, and most importantly, the hauntings inside the hotel. While on the tour, both Dave and Rob heard what sounded like a cat purring on the second floor. Stephanie informed us that there were no cats in the hotel, but that they may have just heard the ghost of Sweet Thing, the ghost cat that still wanders the Shanley. I was standing across the room so I personally didn't hear anything, and I was holding the audio recorder so that didn't pick up on anything either, but Dave and Rob swore that they heard a cat purring. Stephanie was all too familiar with this cat, and has even seen the ghostly apparition herself walking across one of the beds on the second floor. Next, it was time to get down to business. We set up a night vision camera in the gentlemen's quarters on the first floor, where there is said to be one of four portals located within the hotel. 
Stephanie joined us for the first part of the investigation in the seance room on the first floor, which we found to be relatively quiet in terms of paranormal activity compared to the rest of the building. But we did get some intelligent responses on the Flux 2 response device, which lights up green for yes answers and red for no answers. We also got a few hits on the other devices in the room, but nothing too crazy. Next, we set up a spirit box session in Rosie's bedroom, which is located in the Bordello area. This is the same area where Kelly, the new owner, claims that she has been strangled, not once, but twice, by the ghost of a man named Frank. Frank worked in the Bordello area as a bouncer of sorts, or a bodyguard for the women who worked there. In Rosie's room, immediately we started receiving intelligent responses as well as massive EMF spikes. We attempted to debunk this by moving individual pieces of electronic equipment further and further away from the EMF reader, even into the next room, to rule them out. But the signal seemed to be coming from something that we couldn't see. It was most consistent at the foot of the bed. It would fade away and then come back when we started asking questions again. Some of the responses we received to our questions were nothing shy of shocking. For starters, the voice of a child kept coming through and it sounded like the same person over and over again. I asked, is somebody here that wants to communicate with us? And the response that we got was a young woman saying, hi guys, I'm here. Here's the unedited clip. Is somebody here that wants to communicate with us? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. That was a kid's voice. That was a kid's voice that just said, I'm here. Holy. It's important to note the gap within the responses. For those unfamiliar with how the SB7 spirit box works, it quickly scans through radio frequencies, creating a loop of white noise. It's believed that spirits can communicate with people by manipulating the white noise. The gap between where she says, hi guys, and I'm here, skipped through roughly 15 to 20 radio frequencies. That means the same voice was stringing together a complete sentence on two very different signals. Next, it seemed to call me by name, twice. Then Rob asked whoever we were communicating with if it knew his name, to which he got a clear male voice saying, yes, followed by the same child's voice faintly saying, Rob. Thank you. Can you tell us what your name is? I heard Jesse. That's what his name is. That's my name. name. And thank you for acknowledging him. Talking to me. Can you tell us the other folks' names in the room? Who else is here? Jesse again. Jesse again. I see the EMF. The EMF is spiking again. Do you know my name? Yes. Can you say that name? I heard Rob. It was very faint. It sounded like a little kid again. Yeah. I've never heard it. It was from like a distance. We're talking here. We received a few more responses to our questions, including a male voice saying, We're talking here, then a different female voice telling us or somebody to get out. But a very clear response caused us all to freak out a little bit. For audio listeners, I'll describe the room. It's full of toys and dolls, which are placed on shelves and dressers throughout the room. There's a ton of them. I asked Rosie if these were her toys and which one is her favorite. A female voice came through and said, the dolls. Here's the clip. Are these your toys? These little dolls over here? Oh 
my god, it's a doll! Oh, 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 oh my lord! Whoa! Oh man! That very clearly said dolls. I want to listen back and see if it said like my dolls or something like that, because I heard two syllables there, but 100% said dolls. That, that's okay, fucking... that's back to back, just creeping me completely out. Yeah. That was terrifying. These little dolls over here? These little dolls over here? Next, we set up in Anna's bedroom, which is also located in the Bordello area. EVPs have been captured of Frank and Anna arguing. Anna's spirit is said to be more responsive to men who have facial hair, which works out for us since we all have glorious beards. We didn't catch much activity in this room, so we went next door to Maddie's bedroom. We immediately heard what sounded like a woman's voice saying hi through the spirit box. I put a dollar on the nightstand as a trigger object to see if we can get a reaction out of Maddie's ghost, and I laid down on the bed. I placed a flashlight next to me, informing her that all she had to do was touch the flashlight to turn it on, and began talking to Maddie. She said hi again. I asked if she was happy here, and then the flashlight turned on. Dave spent some time in the scrying room, which is a small dark room with a haunted mirror. The concept of scrying is to sit in front of the mirror with only a single candle as a source of light in front of you. You stare at your own face through the mirror and try to put yourself into a meditative state. It's a method of divination. The word scry comes from an old English word, descry, which means to make out dimly. It's said that as you stare into the mirror, once you clear your mind, your face can begin to morph and sometimes apparitions can appear standing behind you. You can receive answers to your questions almost as if you were using a crystal ball. The staff at the Shanley showed us some of the pictures that people had captured here and some of them were pretty remarkable. Next, we headed to the third floor. We visited Adam's room, who is said to have been a serial killer responsible for the deaths of 38 people. Visitors to this room have been scratched and choked by an unseen entity. He has been known to tell people to get out of his room. We also investigated Claire's room, who was the unwed mother who allegedly hanged herself inside that room. Many claim that they can see her ghost staring out of the window. The odd thing about that is, the window has been boarded up for years, so it would be impossible to see an actual person standing inside the window from outside. We spent the majority of our time in Joe's room, who is said to have been a mafia hitman who lived at the hotel for some time. James Shanley had ties to the Irish mafia, so it's believed that Joe was also part of the mob. Countless paranormal teams over the last few decades have communicated with Joe's ghost, and the same number seems to come up over and over again. 107. This is how many people Joe claims to have killed during his life. We experienced a lot of equipment malfunctions on this floor. Flashlights stopped working, our night vision camera's battery was drained at the same time, and our spirit box suddenly had the volume drop to a point where we could barely hear it, even through the Bluetooth speaker. Once we left the third floor to recharge and look for replacement wires, everything kicked back on and started working again. The night vision camera rebooted with a full charge, and our flashlights clicked on without an issue. It's hard to say how many of the 36 ghosts we encountered inside the Shanley Hotel, but one thing was for sure. Rosie's room seemed to be the most active that night. As we were getting ready to wrap up, Rob and I decided to head back to her room to test out the Estes method. I sat blindfolded on her bed with noise-canceling headphones attached to a spirit box. In my ears, all I could hear was the choppy white noise while Rob stood behind me and asked questions that I could not hear. As words and phrases were coming through the spirit box, I would just say them out loud as Rob continued to ask questions that I couldn't hear. As we began, 
I saw a ball of light in my left eye. This wasn't like someone shining a light through a blindfold, but it was as if there was a small floating ball of light behind my closed eyelid. I have never seen anything like this before, and there's obviously no way for me to prove to any of you that this happened, but as a pretty skeptical guy, I have no explanation for what I saw. We continued the session and then watched the tape back. It was pretty surprising how many of the words matched up with Rob's questions. We both got goosebumps at the same time at some of the messages that I had received, and I almost decided to stop when the words turned to screams in my ears. We'll play some of that clip later in the show. There was so much activity at the Shanley Hotel, it's hard to explain. The building is a lot bigger than it appears to be on the outside, and I feel that we could have spent a week there and still not covered the whole place as thoroughly as we would have liked. There have been countless paranormal teams that have investigated this hotel over the last 25 plus years, and with our experience added to the vast catalog of unexplained activity, I can confidently say that this location lives up to its name as the haunted Shanley Hotel. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Napanock, New York. folks welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 80 i'm jesse wilkins i am joined by rob coakley hello rob i am super excited to do this episode because this place was it was a thing is what i will say it was a scary thing a lot of things happened a lot of things happened we're also joined by dave hello dave hello great job on that video that looked really nice thank you it's good to see you with eyes again i don't know if anybody knows <laughs> yeah crying pictures but dave's weird no eyes in some of those pictures. It's crazy because <laughs> yeah. like I didn't get those pictures from you until like today or yesterday or something like that. And I was like, you know, oh, send those over so I can include them. I honestly thought we didn't catch anything in the scrying pictures, which is why I didn't really mention any of the pictures in the script of the episode. But then after looking at the pictures, I'm like, dude, I texted you back. I'm like, dude, do you realize that you don't have eyes in like half of these pictures? Like your face morphed in every single picture. It was crazy to look at. Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those older grainy mirrors and the the only light in there was a flickering candle. So I don't know whether it was just distorting the image because of that. Very similar with the uh, Houghton Mansion when we did that scrying mirror there. It was kind of, it was, it was sort of a distorted image through the mirror, but it was creepy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was consistent with every single picture. It looked like I had no eyes. Yeah, yeah, it was creepy. real strange. It was strange. And there was one picture, actually, we'll pull them up a little bit later, but there was one picture where it looked like your shadow looked like a different person because it had like pigtails or something. So it was, it was pretty strange. We'll, we'll go through those in a little bit. But I want to say what's up to everyone who's hanging out in live chat. We have a lot of folks here. And uh, Papa Squatch just gifted 10, 10 Hometown Ghost Stories memberships on YouTube. So thank you for that. And we got four ninety nine from Ricardo, who said for Dave, who had the testicular fortitude to sit in the chair. That was a that was a different chair, but it still counts, I guess. It's still a chair. We we all sat in at least one chair there. So I sat in every that. chair I saw. <laughs> he would not leave until he sat in every one. I just want to go back of all the scary things that happened here. You saying that Dave had pigtails might be the scariest image I've ever thought of in my head of all time. So 
Thanks that might have that. been when I twisted my hair into pigtails for that picture. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Yep. So I don't even know where to begin here. This place, when you pull up to this place, like you said, they're they're working on it. They're doing a lot of renovations to this place to make it look nice. And obviously, they started on the inside, right? The new owners, they've been working the inside of it. But you pull up and you don't know what you're getting into. This place is massive on the outside, looks a little run down until you get inside. But more alarming is the building across the street that you showed where the entire roof is caved in. And you're yeah. just like, where are we right now? But then you go down to like the actual downtown area. There's some restaurants there. It's a nice little area to walk around. So it, yeah, it would I listen be to, bad town. Bad town to on the weekend. No, it's not bad at all. So I can understand why it was like a little getaway for James Shanley. And then he just straight up decided to buy the hotel and live there. It's it's a nice town. It really is. And there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of YouTube videos that seem to try to pitch this as a ghost town. And I mentioned that in the beginning of the episode where they're like, it's a ghost town abandoned. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> there aren't a lot of people. I think the 2020 census put it at like 1100 people or something. So there isn't a lot of people in this town, but it's it's still nice, you know? Yeah, the businesses are open, but I mean, I get why somebody might refer to it as a ghost town. It's not a ghost town, but a lot of the a lot of the businesses are shut down. A lot of the buildings are vacant. And we talked to a few of the locals when we were there, and a lot of them mentioned how it used to be a big tourist spot, but hasn't been in a long time. I've been trying to uh, revamp it and try and attract the tourists again, but there's just not a lot there to do that as of now. So I get why people do say that it is a ghost town. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, compared to busier towns and cities, obviously there's not a lot of folks there. So it's as close as you're going to get to a ghost town, <laughs> I suppose, but it's not. So anyways, but, but yeah, the hotel from when, when you pull up to it, you're looking at it, you're like, I don't think we can sleep here. Right. But the right. first and second floors are, are nice. I mean, the bedrooms were nice. Uh, the majority of them on the second floor were inhabitable. And it was, it was actually pretty accommodating. So I was not um, afraid to sleep there at all whatsoever, besides the fact that maybe there was a ton of ghosts there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> but I didn't, I don't think I experienced anything after we split up for the night and went to bed. Did either of you? I don't think we did. No. Um, I was so drained because when we do these investigations where, first of all, we drove there that day. Um and after driving there, we're getting a bunch of footage at the house. And then the amount of energy you ex you like go through when you're doing an investigation, it, it just drains you. So by the time we went to bed at like 3.34 a.m., somewhere, you know, in that time frame, I was just wiped. And I just lay down and I passed out immediately. So that ghost cat could have been freaking pouncing on me the whole night. Who knows? I was, I was out. That's the room I was in was where we saw the ghost cat or heard the heard ghost, the ghost cat. cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which was interesting. We had no idea about the cat. I didn't know anything about the cat. We were just in this room. We're doing the walkthrough. And as we're doing the walkthrough, we're in this room, me and Dave are on one side and you're with Stephanie and she is, like kind of going over the room and we hear this thing and me and Dave just look at each other. Like the hell was that? It was like a meow or something or a purr. And uh, Stephanie goes, Oh, that's, I forget. What's the cat's names again. Uh, I, one of them is named sweet thing. 
yeah, the, oh, that's probably a sweet thing. That's the ghost cat that's here. And just without missing a beat, she knew exactly what it was. She's like, that's who this is. There is this ghost cat and uh, has been seen frequently here. So that's how our night started within this hotel is hearing this purr from apparently a ghost cat. Like how yeah, everybody was... in chat seems to think that the ghost cat is a demon. Did they not hear the part when we said that the demon's name is Sweet Thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the name for a demon. The uh, the footage we had pulled there, uh, it was in the episode, was from an investigation at the Shanley, and it very clearly looks like a cat walking with its tail pointed up, and it, it was moving like a cat. That was actually some really cool footage mm. that uh, they had caught there. It was available on the Shanley website. Um, so they actually have a page on the Shanley website itself with a tab that's just for evidence. And it, it plays a lot of the EVPs and some of them are, are pretty horrifying. And then it's also got some of the footage. Yeah, there is, I don't even know how we start talking about this place because there is so many different things to cover within this hotel. There's just so, so many stories. And that's kind of what you want when you go to an a place like this there's just every room has its own story for the most part like whether it's a small one or a big one what i'll say before we get into it if you're in the northeast if you're in new england or you know the new york area and you are looking to go do an investigation with friends i would highly suggest going here because it's so big that if you're there with a group of people there's so many different places you can be investigating to try to get stuff. You can split up and you probably won't overlap enough that it's going to contaminate most of the investigation. So I yeah, think it's is, a great place to go. Yeah. Well, we've spent the last few weeks advocating for smaller groups, investigating places, and we just go on and on about how we always wish that, you know, we could do things with less people. This is one where I think we could have used one or two more bodies in there just because the place is mm-hmm. it's so big and it's like, we never even hit the basement. There were like another... seven or eight rooms we didn't even get to investigate. Exactly. We did focus on the rooms that we were getting a lot of activity in, so we spent a lot of time there. That's that's part of the reason. Mm-hmm. But there were there were a lot of rooms that I wanted to check out that we weren't able to. So we'll definitely be going back there. Just to go back to real quick when we asked if we experienced anything at night when we were sleeping. I did wake up at around 3 a.m. because it scared the hell out of me, first of all. I, but I think it was somebody snoring so loud i don't know whether it was rob from another room or one of the owners why would it be me uh because i think your room was adjacent to mine wasn't it yeah i mean we we're next to each other but i don't snore sir so okay um, so that could have been one of the one of the owners or something. it was probably the damn cat to be honest <laughs> it was so loud but i didn't know i couldn't identify it for you know when you wake up out of a sound sleep you know you're all groggy and discombobulated I, I couldn't figure out what it was and i just remember that i was in this haunted house i'm like oh, it's 3 a.m is it a demon <laughs> but it was uh it was i was super snoring super nervous going to bed i'm like mm, we've experienced a lot of things tonight and it did make me nervous i i slept in i think it was called the rose room. what was it i don't know it was like the pink room it had two beds anyways i didn't even get under the covers i don't know why i thought that that would protect me <laughs> or something i'm like i'm like i'm not even getting under the covers because it's ready to run just yeah in case. just like, yeah exactly just keep my shoes nearby i can throw those on and just run if i need to but no i, I don't think but i think we all just passed out immediately because it, it had been a very long day i actually drove up from 
Washington DC that morning. So my drive was about what, seven or eight hours. It, it took me to get up there cause I hit a bunch of traffic and, uh, yeah. it was a long day, a long day of a lot of driving. So it was, it was exhausting, but yeah. So we, we started off in that seance room and it was hard to, to go through all the footage and, and see exactly what we got. And it, all of the equipment was so spaced out that it was like all of a sudden the yes, no, uh, meter was going off so it was like oh pan over there but we had already missed the thing changing colors so it just wasn't great for tv if you will but we did actually get some interesting some interesting interactions in there some answers to our questions and we actually got a temperature drop which was detected i don't even know that our spirit box had this but the the certain version of the spirit box that we have has a temperature drop indicator on it so the red light professionals yeah, the Us. red light turns on. We're like, why is this red light on? And uh, <laughs> Stephanie was like, oh, that means that the temperature dropped right over there. We're like, oh, we have a cold spot. So that was a little piece of evidence there. And it was intelligently responding yes and no to some of our questions. And I did, the thing is, there were so many new pieces of equipment there that I really didn't know what a few of those things actually were supposed to do. So a little bit tricky, but we, we got some interesting stuff in that room. And that was one of the rooms, and I'll give them credit, because this was one of the rooms that they had refurbished, and it was recently all fixed up, and it looked great look fantastic mm -hmm. on the inside. So they're clearly doing a lot of renovations to this building. And I know like the pictures that you look at, you're like, wow, never going in there. But no, it's it's really not like that on the inside. So they've obviously still got a lot of work to do, but it's a huge building and that's going to be a really expensive project. So uh, yeah, if you're, if you're close enough or even far away, this is definitely one that you should put on the list of places that you would investigate. You can book it with a team. Just can't bring kids. It's one of the rules. Um, so let's get into some of the stories behind the place. The one, the, the one that stands out is, is Rosie, right? The little girl. Mm -hmm. And there is the story that everyone thinks happened. And then there is a conspiracy story behind this. And I don't, I don't believe the conspiracy too much. I think this is more of a, of like, the one that you told, I think, is what probably happened here, right? So basically, Rosie is the girl who went to go play in the play outside near the well, and a few hours later, they found her body in the well. Unfortunately, she had passed away, and they think she had fallen in there on accident. The conspiracy version is somebody was doing inappropriate things to her while she was alive and eventually decided to throw her down the well. So I think that is more lore. There's nothing to really back that up other than conjecture. So I think, I think we're looking at probably the first one on this one. It could be, but also back then, I mean, that type of a situation is reported more nowadays. It was extremely taboo, especially in the early 1900s. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. I think that if something like that was happening, it will be more likely that it was hush-hush swept under the rug and then they came up with the other story. So that's true. I mean, that's very fair. Definitely fair, especially depending on who it was. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a fair point. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it feels, I guess, I guess either one could be accurate, yeah. but so this, this whole location has a, a big mix of confirmed deaths, rumored deaths, and then, basically guests that people have communicated with their spirits where they kind of identify who that is. And we're not talking about 
a couple months worth of investigations. We're not talking about a couple years worth of investigations. We're talking about a couple decades worth mm -hmm. of investigations at this location where you have thousands of paranormal investigators and they are writing down everything that they experience. And when you have multiple teams who virtually aren't communicating with each other at all, I mean, we don't know a single person that went there and, you know, so we didn't get the lowdown from anybody. When you have all these different people communicating with a certain kind of spirit in a room and you keep getting the same name over and over again, I believe that's how they're really identifying which spirit is in which room. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, another thing I want to hit on real quick, we talked about how we were talking to some of the locals. And if you talk to the locals in town, like we were at a, at a restaurant eating and we were talking to another gentleman at the bar and the bartender, everybody has a story from the Shanley hotel. Everyone has some sort of story from the town and we heard from multiple people, the window one. So this window story, you don't just hear from one or two people. A lot of people in town will be like, I was walking by this, the Shanley hotel and I saw somebody in the third floor window looking down at me, but there was no cars there. The building looked empty. And like we put over in the, uh, in the episode, it's impossible for somebody to be looking at you through that window because it is blocked off. Like any of those third floor windows are blocked off. So these stories being repeated to us, like was pretty intense in my opinion, like just, just to hear it from, I believe it was the bartender and then one other person we heard it from as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were a few pictures that we captured and a few of them were included in the episode where it almost looks like you could see the silhouette of a person. It wasn't enough for me to be like, here's a piece of evidence. Cause it's just, you don't know what, what it's reflecting off of, but there's a few pictures where you could see that. And it's just such a strange phenomenon because people are seeing folks up there. And like we actually, when we were streaming, I think we showed the windows, like they're, they're all on the third floor boarded up for, I would assume insulation purposes in the winter. So, so what do you think people are seeing? Cause if there's a ghost in the room, you can't see it through the boarded up window. So the ghost would have to be what in between, or it could be a stone tape imprint. Something like that. Or, right. uh, or another, we don't make the rules situation of. It can ghosts. present itself however it wants to. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess. Possibly. Because if it, if it's showing itself, it wants whoever's out there to see them is what I would say. If it's an intelligent haunt. Right. Which I, I if it's think an imprint, place, then it could which, just be that. It, well, that is, that's fair too. I just think there's enough intelligent haunts here that I, I think that whoever is showing themselves in this window is making sure that they're seen. We should, let's start with like the real confirmed deaths. Mackenzie sending 499 a super chat. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. Uh, there's, so there's Rosie who died in the well. That's a confirmed death, whether or not it was murder accidental. I lean towards accidental without proof of it being something else. Then you have all three of the children who died in the house, which were all three of the, uh, the Shanley children. Yeah. They're all under the age of one. What, I mean, what are the guidelines of communicating with a spirit like that? They probably can't say much more than a couple of words anyways. So, I mean, well, I think that it's, it, it goes hand in hand with the, the theory that there's no language in that realm, I guess you'd call it. So same way you'd communicate with a ghost of a person who didn't speak English, they're not communicating via language. They are able to communicate with you through whether it's feeling or just energy, but they're able to, to 
communicate what they want with you because there are no language barriers. So maybe a person who couldn't speak English because they were one year old and hadn't learned the language yet still might be able to convey their emotions through the energy that's left behind. Yeah, you could be right about that. And then it's also frequent on the third floor, mostly that you see these toys moving around and the balls will will roll around and get moved uh, in, in different rooms. So maybe if they can't speak, maybe they're moving a toy or something like that. So the third floor for me was an interesting experience when we first got there because Stephanie, the person who was showing us around and that we interviewed, she was talking about, she is a medium and she was talking about the portals that they found oh, yes, in, yes. at this location. And I was immediately intrigued because we have numerous times questioned, how do you find a portal? How is there a how is there a tangible evidence of a portal to the to the extent that you can say there are X amount of portals here? So the second she said there are, I think I forget whether she said four or seven, whatever the number was, I said, okay, how do you know? How do you find a portal? And she said, you can feel them. And she said, put your hand right here. There's one right here, and just hover the hand above the wall, and it's going to feel like pins and needles, almost like static electricity without the shock. And I said, okay, and I. Don't know whether it was just my mind telling me what I wanted to feel, but I thought I could feel it over that exact spot where she was telling me to put my hand. I did it and I felt the pins and needles feeling. And there was no reason for me to feel that there. There was nothing on the wall. There was no like weird textured section of the wall. It was just one consistent texture going across. And just in that exact area, I could feel the pins and needles. And Jesse, I think you said you could absolutely feel it too later on when we showed you. I did, yeah. I'm actually uh, pulling up the file for it right now. Although with my internet being the way it is, I don't want to play it. So Rob and private chat, I dropped you what folder it's in. But if you want to pull up that video, just exploring the portal room, I don't know how long it is, but we can play a little bit of it and kind of show where one of these portals were. Um, there were four of them, they say, in this hotel. I know one of them is the one that we all went to go kind of check out and see if we could detect it or whatever. There was another one in the gentleman's parlor on the first floor. I'm not sure where in the room that one was. And then there's two other ones. I, I'm not entirely sure. Did she tell you where those ones were? Do you guys remember? Uh, she mentioned it, but I don't, I don't recall where they were. Gotcha. Yeah. So again, it's something that we, we don't know a ton about. And it was kind of cool to finally start to break through and figure out how at least people are detecting it, which I mean, if you have a giant house like that, to walk around and just put your hand on every spot on every wall to figure out where those are, kudos to to whoever that is because that's a lot of work especially in a place that big man yeah but as, as a psychic they probably get drawn to the area right so that probably makes it somewhat more easy you would think so so i i did find that interesting as well i'm glad we got that explanation as we talked to stephanie and how how they determine it at the shanley anyway so a little interesting i don't know again to your point dave it's like is your brain telling you to feel that I'm not sure, but it it was compelling, I will say, at least. It yeah. was a lot more interesting than that clip was. I immediately regretted playing that once we played. I'm like, oh, let's let's watch us all almost touch a wall for a minute and a half. Anyways, <laughs> thanks for sticking around, folks. <laughs> but yeah, that's I guess that's one of the ways that that they can kind of detect where these things are. And and I thought for sure, like as soon as I put my hand up in that thing, again, I don't know if it was my mind playing tricks on me, but I was like, this feels like little pins and needles are stabbing into my hand. So uh, was that the window that was boarded up? I'm pretty sure every window on the third floor. Yeah, every window on the third floor is boarded up. Well, Donnie up. was asking if that board was one of the boards that was over a window. It was not. It was in between. Oh, it was the okay. wall in between two windows. Gotcha. Yeah. But it, yeah, I, 
they have like no insulation up there. So it was relatively warm when we were out there. So it wasn't a problem, but I guess in the winter, I've, I've watched a few investigations where teams have gone in there in the dead of winter and it's absolutely freezing on that floor. So it's gotta be just a, something to retain the heat. And the, at night, it seems like they put like some sort of like a, a door completely over the stairwell that leads up to the third floor. So they completely seal it off. Basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably just to, uh, to it's keep for, the heat for heat. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're talking about the third floor, one of the things I found the most fascinating on the entire third floor was when we were in the mobsters room. And I actually think we might've been on the live stream still for this, but the basic gist of the mobsters room is he has two chairs in there and you are, you have to ask permission before you can sit in the chair. And, and the idea is if he gives you permission, he will tell you how, irish you are like your your percentage and but first you have to ask for permission so i asked for permission received permission dave asked for permission received permission did not let jesse sit in the chair we asked about five different times throughout the night how about now (laughs) we were like can jesse sit in now and every time the response would be no it just kept saying no like it was like no nope it just continued to happen, which, you know, we've done this enough that it didn't like, like just getting responses in general is scary. But if you sit back and think about it, how we got like four or five different responses for no asking you is like really crazy. <laughs> like it's just Yeah. After the fourth one, I'm like, this thing does not want me to say this. It's fine. Whatever. But then we asked again. Uh, Anna says Jesse isn't Irish enough. I am Dave's brother, so if it's okay for Dave, <laughs> we're the exact same amount of Irish, which I don't really know how much it is. Twenty-five percent, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I find out something new about our heritage like every day. So, our mother's half Irish. I don't know if it's half. We don't have to have this conversation. Broda is in chat. Broda can clear it up. I want a percentage by percentage breakdown of what our, eth- our ethnicity is. Break down <laughs> the entire 23 me in the chat, bro, dad, immediately. <laughs> um, so I found that that was like one of the more interesting things on the third floor. And the other interesting room was we were in the uh, quote unquote serial killers room, but it's also where the spirit of a woman is. And we actually interacted with the woman more than anybody else in that particular room. So that was who we generally had our interactions with there. Yeah, which is interesting because when we were chatting with the owner and Stephanie the next morning, the owner was shocked that we had that we had communicated with the female in that room because they said they hadn't heard from that particular entity in a long time, which so they were surprised. They're happy, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, they were very yeah, happy because cool. we weren't fully sure and then we like started talking to the owner about it and she was like you said she just was like oh man you that's who you talk to that's great to hear because of everything you just said well that was that <laughs> was I got of- a text message <laughs> i got a text from, from my mother correcting me saying she's just a <laughs> tiny bit irish so <laughs> <laughs> that was what our experience was on the third floor and which was fine we didn't investigate the second floor so much because we were getting the stuff on the third floor. We were getting the stuff in Rosie's room, which we need to talk about. And we even tried the gentleman's quarters. But for us, it was the, the third floor and the, God, what do they call it? What do they call the room? Bordello area. The Bordello area. Which is technically where, the second floor. 
it's it's the second floor in a different part of the house right so there's like a different staircase this was back during prohibition this is was the hidden area where they hid um a bunch of you know rooms for the women who worked there so it's got its own little private staircase and everything and the place is so big you just can't get everywhere for the entire night especially with three of us so that's kind of where we focused because we were getting our evidence there right so that's yes that's where we spent most of the night in that room and then the the room where we started off the investigation also and then a ton of time on the third floor yeah the third floor was i think my favorite part just because of the i thought that the mobster room was fun the serial killer room we got a lot of interesting stuff in which is just anytime we're getting that repeat spirit box activity it's, it's almost like we got to kind of almost milk it for all it's worth yeah and the serial killer room I think even more than in the mobster room was a lot of equipment malfunctions. And we actually caught a little bit of it during the live stream. I put the camera right in front of the, uh, the, the webcam that we had broadcasting on just to show everyone like, boom, this thing is freaking out. And then it just flat out died. But I had, this was right when I got back from getting a fresh battery. So I had gone downstairs, mm-hmm. swapped out the battery. It wasn't even dead yet. It was like half, but I'm like, I don't want this thing to die. We're actually getting some good activity. Swapped out the battery with a brand new fresh one, brought it upstairs. And then all of a sudden it started malfunctioning. The flashlight also malfunctioned. And then back in the mobster room, the spirit box malfunctioned. And it was, it had gotten so quiet that we could barely hear it. And this is another one, fresh batteries. It wasn't the batteries that was the issue. Swapped out the wire. The wire wasn't the issue. And the weird thing was like, once we brought everything downstairs, everything was fine again. It all just kind of kicked back on. So I felt like there was something that was pulling energy out of this, out of this equipment. I mean, it's, it almost seems like we mentioned it so much that it almost seems like a gimme. Okay. Mm-hmm. Battery batteries are going to drain you in a haunted place, but it, it happens so consistently. I mean, this is science, right? This is the scientific method. This is testing something out. It keeps happening over and over again and it, it keeps going crazier and crazier so it's it's something that keeps happening and there's a there's a reason yeah and i think that kind of leads us all the way like full circle here where we well let's hit on the gentleman's quarters we went to the gentleman's quarters where there's like six beds in there um supposedly men are supposed to get the most activity in there and we personally got nothing in that room that night and what you need to remember is even if there is 36, 40, 120, 3,000 spirits in a place, not all of them are active all the time. So your experience at the Shanley Hotel might be different than ours. You might go into the gentleman's quarters, and that might be the only place that you get activity, right? Next time we go back, we might get activity there. But for us, this particular night, we got nothing in this room. So after this, Jesse and myself, because as you saw in the opening video or heard in the opening video, we got a lot of intelligent communication in Rosie's room, the room where she said doll, she said Jesse's name twice. They said my name the one time that me and Jesse felt pretty compelled to end our night there to do the Estes method in that particular room. And dude, We did that, and so if you're listening, what we're doing tonight is we are going to be playing a couple clips from this after the episode's over, and we're going to focus in on that for a different video, so you're going to be able to go on YouTube 
and check out this video. But if you're in the YouTube chat tonight, you're going to see it tonight. But dude, I was scared to death as we were doing this SDs method. Like I legitimately got goosebumps three times and I almost pulled the plug on it two times. There was so just responses I. that just scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Before we even got started. So, I mean, we described it in the episode, so I won't go fully into it, but basically the way that the STs method works and people do it a few different ways, but you put, you have a spirit box and you attach it to noise canceling headphones. You put those on and you also blindfold yourself. You don't necessarily have to blindfold yourself if you did it the way that me and Rob did it, which was he was standing behind me. But the point of blindfolding yourself for one is to get you to concentrate for two is to make sure that you can't read the lips of the person that's asking the questions. But Rob's behind me, so I wouldn't have been able to do that anyways. But we did it anyway. So we blindfolded. Uh, I wore the blindfold. I put that on and I mentioned it. And again, there's no way to really prove this. But with the SD's method, there's no really way to prove anything because you're not going to hear what we're hearing anyways. But I digress. I put on that blindfold and with my eyes closed and with the blindfold on, I saw this tiny ball of light. And I believe it was in my left eye. And it just kind of was moving around. And I'm like, never had that happen before with my eyes closed. It was a bright ball of light that was floating behind my eyelids. I had no explanation for this. I've never seen anything like it. I'm not saying it was a ghost, but I'm saying that something happened in that room that I have never experienced before. I've never even heard of that type of a haunting before. So I don't, I don't know if I can equate it to something paranormal. All I know is I'm like, what is this and why is this happening? I've never seen anything like this. And it wasn't like somebody was standing right in front of me with a flashlight, shining a flashlight in my eyes. This one was something behind my eyelids that I saw like just a ball of light moving around. Never seen anything like it before. It was, it was very strange. And that was before we even really got started. Right. Yeah. We had to actually like stop and regroup real quick because of it, as I recall. And then we got started and then shit just got real, man. It was just like, I'm thinking about it, like getting, getting goosebumps as we talk about it, because some of these responses were just like, and again, you can't hear anything I'm saying. You don't know what questions I'm asking. You're not even looking like in my direction. Even if you were, you were blindfolded. So for you to give some of these responses was just like completely terrifying. So my dad said that I should go see an eye doctor. Thanks. That's yeah. reassuring. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with migraine, Jesse with glasses. Yeah. So I didn't say it was a ghost. Didn't say it was a ghost. I'm just saying it was something that I had never seen before. It hasn't happened since. So I think my eyes are okay. But yeah, so we started we started the STs method, and I'm just kind of listing off whatever I hear through the spirit box. I can't hear Rob behind me. No idea what he's asking me. And I thought it was a little bit of a nothing burger for a little while as I'm just kind of reading stuff out. I got a couple of names and I didn't recognize any of the names that had anything to do with it. But again, this is a hotel. It could have been anybody that checked in or out of this place, right? Like you have mm -hmm. no idea how many different right. people have been here Great and how point. many people visit. And one of the things that uh, I believe it was Stephanie or Kelly told us was basically like, they believe it's around 36 ghosts, but the number could be higher or lower at any time because a lot of these ghosts are like residual haunting of uh, hauntings of guests that are coming in and out like a hotel guest normally would. So you never know how many spirits are actually in this place. You never really know who you're communicating with. But we'll we'll jump into the clip a little bit more later. But we we got some stuff that was really interesting. And then at one point, it sounded like it went from regular communications to just like like someone screaming in my ears. <laughs> I'm like, 
what is this? Like I had to like take the headphones off. It was just loud screaming into my which, ears. So, which that one is interesting not to cut you off, but because I can't hear anything in the headphones at all as I, as we're doing this and I could hear the scream. You can see me react to it in the video, even the one that you played in here. Mm -hmm. I heard the scream for, for a split second. Terrifying. Like it was, it was really scared. Yeah. So that was, that was that part of it. But we kept going after that. At that point, you were like, do you need to stop? I'm like, no, we're, we're good. We'll, we'll keep going. But if it had kept screaming, like it was screaming, I probably would have stopped because it's like, this is, or just turned down the volume, I suppose. But it wasn't anything intelligent. It was just screamed. Yeah. So. We're, we're going to show this after and we're going to talk about it a little more, but I think it was pertinent to talk about it during this portion of the show too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll jump more of that into that in a little bit, but that was Rosie's room. And then next door was Maddie's room. We had originally gone into Anna's room, but didn't really get anything. So we moved over to Maddie's room and this was where we didn't get too, too much, but we got the, on the spirit box. It seemed to be saying hi to us a few times. Mm -hmm. And then we got the flashlight to turn on, which was really cool. And it was right when I had asked the question, are you happy here? And then boom, the flashlight turned on. And um, that was it for the flashlight activity though. We, could, we couldn't get it to do it again. So that was kind of it for that room. Anything else in that room? I'm not too sure we got too No, much. that's just where chat got mad at you because you wouldn't stop talking over the ghosts. No, that was in Rosie's room. Oh, was that was in Rosie's I think it was every room. I, actually, I do think it was every <laughs> No, it I was Maddie's room because it's where you were laying down, I think. No, I like to analyze evidence in real time. All right. <laughs> Chat, chat was not happy. That's why, why I'm never streaming a live investigation again. You guys ruined it. <laughs> ruined it. And then to, to be perfectly honest, I didn't sit in the chair because I was scared. Wow. Yeah. We know. I mean, we knew, but we didn't think we'd get this admission. <laughs> I wasn't oh. going to. I was going to be like, I just forgot about it. I didn't forget about it. I thought about it the whole time. <laughs> just didn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> didn't want to sit in that chair. Didn't do it. So, oh man yeah you so win, you win this time chat you win this time but it was cool to do the live investigation and share it with the chat because they were able to hear it in real time as well so that was that was a cool little thing that i enjoyed being able to share that experience with them Mackenzie says the screams would have been a two-story window jump for her. <laughs> would not recommend it. But yeah, it was it was kind of frightening. It's one of the times I almost pulled the plug where I was just like, I don't know if we should keep doing this, honestly. And yeah, it, it was a scary thing. And again, we're going to go over this in a little bit. Is there anything else in here that you guys wanted to hit on for the for the hotel or the hauntings that we encountered? No, I mean, folks, if you're listening to this audio podcast and you haven't swung over to YouTube, we have a couple first timers on YouTube today. It's great to see you guys and thanks for swinging in. This is an episode where I would highly recommend you come over and watch that. If anything, just for Dave's uh, mirror pictures alone, the scrying yeah. pictures. And those ones I found really interesting. Again, it's you know a dimly lit room and the photo quality isn't great because it's fighting for light there, but the the whole no eyes thing that <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, the picture's like, did you even look at these? Because these are kind of horrifying. And as I'm talking about faces morphing, Dave's face is morphing in the pictures. So I do want to pull up the uh actually let's pull that up real quick. I do want to pull up the the photo because it did look like there was a silhouette of kind of looked like a girl with like pigtails like standing behind Dave. I might just be completely wrong about that, but I'll pull that up. Or anything else Ooh. we want to touch on in the Shanley? 
No, again, I mean, I've already like beaten this to death, but if you have the opportunity to go here, 100% go here. It is worthy of a place to go investigate. I can't wait to go back. And I think this is like, I, I can't promise anything, but in the future, this is a place that I wouldn't even mind trying to do an investigation with a couple of listeners, right? Like, because it's so big and the room, there's so much room there, maybe doing some sort of group event here because it, it has the capacity to do something like that. It could. Yeah. Like we said earlier, this is one where you could split up and have, you know, I, I wouldn't do more than like 10 people, but you could definitely have uh, this picture is poor quality, but I'll try to present it real quick, but it looked better in the episode, but here is, yeah, here's the photo. You can kind of see it here. Doesn't it look like something with like pigtails. Mm. Oh, behind me. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. I assumed it was my shadow from the, oh, it could be the shadow from both candles on either side of my head. Maybe. I don't know. But what's making those bunny ear looking things coming out of the top of your head? Because well, other... if you have two light sources coming from different directions, you're going to have two different shadows being cast. Right. Well, here's one of the could... angles. Oh, I guess maybe. Maybe it could have been. I just don't really understand how that would have done it like that. But the other ones, you don't really have that. Like here's one. It's just got the back of your head. They're all a little different. It's kind of hard to tell. But yeah, looks like yeah, looks like OG Harley Quinn. Says <laughs> <Liz> McKenzie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, I, anyway, I, I found this stuff fascinating. But again, it's uh, it's tough to to say it's anything like that. I didn't see the pictures. You guys just I went off your word that the the pictures that the Shanley had of other people taking pictures were fascinating. They were. They were. So if you go there, ask to see those pictures. They do. Um, if you go there and you're booking something, try to see if you can get Stephanie as your guide. She was she was wonderful. She was a great guide. Um, highly recommend her as your as your guide. Um, but she had access to those to those pictures. Pop says that those are just Dave's lobster claws. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost, the ghost of the lobster claws. <laughs> um, but they have access to these pictures, and they they are really interesting pictures. So I actually I'm upset that I forgot to do the the mirror room. But again, we're doing so many things there. There's so much that things just slip through the cracks the first time. So you gotta probably do it more than one time to get everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brent says in chat, he says, given how close the candles are, I'm not sure the angle uh, would create that much wider pigtail, but that could, could just be textural. So it, it's yeah, it's a little bit subjective. It's, it's kind of hard to figure that out. Almost looks right. like David, two black eyes peering over. Wait, what? I didn't see that one. Almost looks like there was two black eyes peering over Dave's head. Mm. God, I hope not. We'll have to post those pictures up on Twitter or Instagram so people could check them out for themselves. Yeah. All right, let's jump into some reviews because I want to hit the other videos that we're going to need to talk about as well after the credits roll. So Sounds our good. first five-star review is from Keller Instinct titled great podcast i love the history and the banter of this podcast i listen to it religiously every wednesday what a great show so thank you keller instinct for that review the next one is from the other rachel b she even made her name the other rachel b for her itunes review so um i love the commitment to the bit it's a five-star review not sure how this podcast turned up when i ran out of things to listen to 
Wasn't expecting the amount of random information, but the banter is hilarious, makes a chunk of my workday go by wonderfully. It's covered a bunch of places and people that I've never heard of and went down rabbit holes looking into them. Also appreciate the movie reviews, so I know what happens without having to actually watch the scary movies <laughs> and not sleep for two weeks. You guys are awesome. Thank and you. It's an awesome one. That was a great review. And the final one is from Jeanette. It's titled The Absolute Best. Best of all the podcasts that I listen to. Most entertaining. And thank you for making me laugh. You are my coworkers as I work from home and get caught up on your past episodes. Well, thank you, Jeanette, for listening. We are ecstatic to be your coworkers. And we hope that after you're done catching up, you just start over. Just start listening to them again. Can always go back. We have one more. Time to time. Oh, one more five-star review. Says, uh, this is from Anthony T. Uh, or Yes, Anthony T. I love the show. I found you off your first Talk is Jericho appearance. You guys are the reason I got a Patreon account. Much love from Anthony T. of Northern New Hampshire. P.S. Even though I changed my Patreon name, Angry Dave still rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's interesting that you found that review. It was emailed. That's why you <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, hey, folks, this Sunday, if you're in the area, we will be at Pennhurst. Saturday. This Saturday, we will be at Pennhurst. <laughs> we will not be there on Sunday. We have we have decided to leave. Uh, yeah, so we'll be down there. If you are in the area and you want to come to the convention, there's a lot of really cool vendors there and celebrities. Us. Like us. us. <laughs> yeah, but uh, me and Ghost Jesse, will be just there. Just me and not Dave. They get a pretty cool lineup, so it should be a lot of fun. So, and if you're looking to come see Penhurst, which will definitely be the, um, the be the focus of one of our future episodes, yeah. probably sooner than later, to be honest. So, that'll be on the uh, on the list. But come check us out. What, what's the event called? Is it just Paracon? The Penhurst Paracon. So, like you said, there's a bunch of people. I've been looking at. There's a private group for the vendors, and they've been posting some of the stuff that they're going to be selling and stuff. And I don't know how we're going to stay at our own booth because there's a lot of booths that I want to go check out and um, check out some of the stuff that they're that they're selling. It just sounds, it just sounds and looks like it's going to be a blast. So if you're in the area, definitely, definitely come see us. We want to yeah. we want to meet everyone we can meet. So for sure, yeah. This is a this is a building that I've been looking to cover and visit for a long time. So I'm excited to go there. Yeah. Other than for that, sure. the, let's so take our picture. Yeah, go ahead. Patrons, Sorry. real quick. Uh, for our VIPs, a.k.a. the Church of Bucky McCat Elders, we have Allison V, Garrett, Jeannie R, Justin T, Lisa J, Lisa J, Mike Oubliette, Blake, Oubliette. Mom and Pops W, Robert H, Demon King, and Inspires Gaming. Thank you guys for being VIPs, a.k.a. the Church of Bucky McCat Elders. For our Warren's Wards, a.k.a. The next tier, we have Anna C, Chris C, Donnie N, Lily, Jake V, Janice G, Matthew T, Papa Squatch, Peach Smoothie, Rachel B, Randy C, Sarah Cook, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, and I think that's all of those. And then our Ghost Pirate Mafia, we have Anthony T, Ashley M, Brandon W, Brandon B, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Huggy Bear, Joe R, Kira Lee J, Mark M, Mariah M, Nuthouse Queen, who's a new one. Welcome in. We also have Paul from St. Louis, Sam from Nepal, Sarah R, Scotty L, Solar Flare, Hooper, and the other Rachel B. Thank you guys so much for God joining on Patreon. It's not going to change. Not going <laughs> to change. For as little as $3 a month, you can join this cast of executive producers, supporters of the show, 
patrons. Thank you guys so much. And $1, if you want to do $1, you could join on YouTube. We actually got a, some gifted memberships from Papa Squatch and some others earlier. So thank you guys so much for that. Big shout out to Patreon. Patreon is how we are able to go do these investigation episodes, is what I will say. So we are trying to set up more because the Patreon has grown. But because of that, that's why we get to do these episodes and share these experiences with you. Absolutely. I want to give a personal shout out to Brent from Paranormal Portal. Once again, uh, the episodes that we were featured on his podcast are out, part one and two. So if you haven't listened to those yet, go listen in. Those were awesome. And thanks again for having us on. And we've actually been collaborating on some spooky tunes. So we'll have mm. some updates on some of those. We banged out one of them. Got to polish up a little bit. But I'm excited to see what we come up with and excited to do some sort of a live investigation. So we'll keep you guys posted on developments to those plans as they come. Yeah. But I think that'll pretty much do it without further ado. You guys make sure you stick around because we are going to go over some of these clips after the show. And for those audio listeners, you can uh, swing on over to Discord. We'll drop them there as well. Or you can get always backstage exclusive stuff via Patreon. Yep. That's going to do it for me, though. All right. Very good. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Peace. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.